talking to you beforehand and I was saying I hadn't seen you since um, uh, a powerlifting meet a good few years ago before all the COVID stuff hit. And um, I initially met you through training down in Greystones the odd time then and the likes of Go Gym and having some fun lifting sessions down there. So um, it's good to catch up with you again. And I know you're busy yeah. with coaching. So, but just to, to give um, a brief overview of, of who you are um, and then, you know, what you're doing now, like what was this that, uh, that, that got you into, into training and, and fitness and then eventually led into, into coaching? Well, thank you so much, first of all, for having me on the podcast. It's a, it's a genuine Absolutely. pleasure. Like, it's, it's my pleasure entirely. Um, and yes, so it's great for me to catch up with you. And we, we converse a lot online. And I've uh, I've been keenly following your progress over time as well, not just as, a, as, a, as an athlete, but also as a coach. So it's a, it's a, great, it's a great opportunity for me to come on and, and chat to you. So it, my background, like you said, is really just lifting weights. Um, so I got into fitness through... Uh, just as I was leaving school, a kind of a common story, going to college, not really sure what you're doing with your life. It's all a bit of a mess. And uh, I actually injured myself. I injured myself quite badly. I dislocated my shoulder actually in the gym, didn't know what I was doing, did an exercise, um, hurt myself and was out of action for a very long time. And as a result of that, uh, so I, the story there is I actually dislocated my shoulder doing a dumbbell pullover. I don't know if you've ever done that before. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> actually, sorry. I, I always thought for some reason that that had been rugby or something like that. Um, no, that would be a cooler story. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a cooler story. Uh, but no, it was, uh, it was, I'm not, I'm sure I've heard of playing sports before and I, I definitely did used to hurt my shoulders and my ankles all the time. So I probably had a weakness there that I wasn't Jesus. even aware of. So you just picked but, up a um, dumbbell that was way too heavy and it just yanked your shoulder out. It was probably too heavy and I was probably doing it wrong combination, yeah. combination of things. Um, so I was very weak and then during that period, like lost all my muscle. Not that I had a great amount of muscle or anything, but I'd lost all my muscle. I never really trained properly before. And I got uh, into the process of the rehab yeah. for that. And it uh, coincided with me being in a course. I was doing sports management in UCD. So I was already kind of pursuing that line. I sort of knew that that was the realm I wanted to go down. I thought it'd be very much sports focused at the time. But as I got through that, I sort of realized that you know, it's very businessy and it's not really necessarily what I thought. Yeah. I, so this coincided with me developing my interest in the gym and rehabbing myself essentially and, and trying to get stronger and actually learning how that process worked. Because again, I had absolutely no idea uh, working with my physiotherapist at the time. And then I just ventured out into training in gyms. Uh, Go Gym was one of them. There was a couple of others. So I just bounced around gyms and just really got into it in that kind of way that a lot of young lads do. So I dropped out of my course in ECT, just was not for me. I was like, right, I want to become a personal trainer. How do I do that? So I started a course with the University of Limerick. I think it was the NCF who delivered it. I'm pretty, pretty sure they still do courses. Uh, they're they're quite, uh, they seem to be the best choice at the time. This is around 2013. Yeah. And I was, uh, I did the uh, sports instructor course and the strength conditioning course and also the uh, personal training course. So over the course of about a year or so, a year and a half, I did those certs and got myself qualified. All that, all that while I was training, sort of developing an interest in strength, uh, probably doing it all completely wrong. In fact, definitely doing it all completely wrong. Managed to make progress in one or two things. And it was around that time that you and I actually came into contact uh, around 2014, 2015. And then I discovered powerlifting in 2014. That's when I really took my training to the next level. Yeah. So really, it was just simply from um, happenstance that I hurt myself. I was out of school, in college, nothing to occupy my mind, no longer playing rugby, no longer playing soccer. Uh, and the gym sort of took over as my main hobby and my main interest. I think personal trainers across the world have a very similar backstory, so to speak, uh, of just becoming interested in training and their own development first and then looking to bring that to 
to others. Yeah, share it with other people. Yeah, absolutely. And that's like, I, I think we just said it just before we started recording. And we, uh, as personal trainers or as coaches, as coaches, I was introduced to the concept a few years ago of having a, a mission statement or having a, a sort of greater purpose and, a, and, and that, letting that guide you and lead you. And it's bringing strength training to, to everyone is my main focus when I get stressed or when I get overworked, which can very hop, ha, often happen in this industry, as you're well aware you have to just remember why you're there and what, what it is you're actually trying to do. And I'm mm. a big believer that strength training is something that can increase longevity. I mean, I'm not a believer it's, it's, it's facts and we, and we can back it up uh, all day long, but it's about yeah. delivering that. It's about delivering that in a way that's, that's enjoyable, that's sustainable. And that's actually uh, uh, tangible for people to get involved in and not scare people off, which I think the fitness industry does a very bad job of in general. Um, so that's my kind of reason to be these days as a trainer and how I've kind of developed my ethos. Yeah, interesting. So uh, one thing actually I wanted to ask you about that I always try to ask people about on the podcasts because I think it gives a really good insight into how I can help people get into to training who aren't into it yet is what was obviously you weren't going to the gym for most of your life before you eventually did did start with this. So what do you think was the thing that flick that switch for you to actually decide to start trying to get into training to begin with i do think the injury was a big one because i was forced to do rehab uh, forced to actually be in a gym I remember the physio saying you know you need to start doing these movements um yeah. and uh, i had to do have a place to do them so it's shoreline and bray mm-hmm. and so suddenly i was in a gym environment seeing other people and seeing what they were doing and then like the, I suppose it's it's not one of these real dramatic turning points where like I hurt myself and I started training and it all just kind of went from there. I think it's just a build, a slow build. You you, you start to see progress. You start to see how the body reacts to to a stimulus like rehab and how quickly that process happens. Then you're like, right now I'm healthy again. I'm not. I'm no longer involved in sports. So I'm sort of like something has to plug that gap. I think a lot of people in the like late teens, early twenties drop out of sport and then do nothing yeah and that's where people it's it's such a common thing you and i see it all the time and and it's it's a pretty common trope that that's when people leave sports and leave physical activity altogether and then come back to it maybe in their 30s when they've Mm -hmm. when they've when they've lost a a lot of their shape or lost a lot of their fitness or gained a lot of a lot of body fat and it's it's then a difficult process so i was always determined to kind of not let that happen i was kind of proud of being uh, like being in shape and and being able to kind of um you know be be have a solid physique for, for for what it was worth at the time anyway um, I was probably about 60 kilos. I don't think I had a solid physique, but I thought I did at the time. So I wanted to kind of build on that. And uh, the strength side of things very, very quickly took over. So I think the first probably six months was aesthetics and I wanted to build muscle and I wanted to look like this guy on social media or, or whatever my perception of what someone should look like. But very rapidly, the tangible progress of, of adding more weight to the barbell, particularly on the deadlift. I used to deadlift multiple times a week and looking back is absolutely crazy but I, I think i would deadlift two or three times a week every time i went to the gym i would do deadlifts because i could see progress yeah which means you were, you were well ahead of all of us on the deadlift i remember when we it started was training yeah, together. yeah good. i look back at my first powerlifting competition i deadlifted 70 kilos more than i squatted um <laughs> this is hilarious and i mean that gap has never really closed fully but uh it did it did marginally close <laughs> yeah and for those yeah. listening that may not be aware of parishing there shouldn't be that big a gap between those two exercises but for me it was just simply because i prioritized the deadlift entirely because like, again i could see tangible progress on that and i because of my shoulders well, i was never good at the upper body lift certainly not in the first couple of years so i was like oh, kind of shy yeah. away from that the opposite to most people i was like i hate the bench press love the deadlift and that 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 sort of bug of like seeing tangible progress seeing the numbers move up 
realizing as well that I actually was quite strong and that you could develop strength. You don't have to be a big person. I think there was a perception and there always is, especially when you're involved in rugby, that the big lads are the big strong lads and the small lads are the small weak lads, but you can actually develop strength and become strong. Mm. If you diligently train and diligently apply, apply the principles of progressive overload and, and all this sort of stuff. And yeah. uh, so that was definitely the thing that took over for me was the strength side and actually seeing how that could go. And that led me into the powerlifting, which is pure strength pursuit. For those listening don't aren't aware of powerlifting, it's like the pursuit of a one at max, your the heaviest lift in squat, bench press, and deadlift. And then from there, I've developed more of a general uh, outlook on how strength training can can help everyone and be is something that can be with you for your whole life. Yeah. And I think that's um a lot of people I've talked to who really get into trying to optimize things with training and find the best way of doing things have gone through that experience of injury because i know for me actually i have a lot of similarities to you in the sense that i also had a shoulder injury which actually wasn't even anything as like traumatic as a dislocation but it still stuck with me and caused me a lot of pain for a long time and really hindered me from being able to do the same workouts that i saw other people being able to do uh but the positive of it was that it forced me to try to figure out smarter ways of doing things because if I just went into the gym and tried to do the just max out on my bench every day thing it just caused me crazy amounts of pain and it was only when I started working on trying to load the bar sensibly get into you know better positions that I actually started being able to progress so I see that sometimes as a fairly common thread actually among uh, people who get into trying to really be like as good a coach as possible or even just get as best results as they can as a trainee is that maybe they've had to deal with injury early on and it's forced them to find better ways of doing things. Absolutely. And, and as a coach, I've, I would say the majority, I've coached hundreds and hundreds of clients over the last few years and the majority have some kind of issue that has happened. Either they've had a car crash years before or a sports related injury, or they're either, they may still be carrying that injury and it forces you as the coach to develop a program that's personalized to them that can work for them. But it also gives them a chance to learn how to work around that. Cause again, mm-hmm. the perception is, I mean, only recently my brother uh, broke his, um, broke his wrists and he, you know, was panicking for the first couple of weeks. So I was trying to give him some, some tips. I, was, I wasn't working in Nickfit at the time he trains there. And uh, one of his colleagues said to him, also, Oh, you'll probably give up the gym now, will you? And he was like, no, 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 I won't give it up. But her perception was now that he's done that injury, he should probably yeah, stop doing that yeah. thing. And that's a very common thing. And I, the amount of times you've probably heard like, oh, I hurt my back years ago and I was told not to go to the gym or I didn't think I should go. Yeah. And when you, injury gives you perspective, I think um, there's a great book. I've only read excerpts from it. Um, the guy's name escapes me. It was frustrating that I can't remember, but it's called The Gift of Injury. Um, oh, the powerlifting oh, guy, Brian. Powerlifting guy, Donnie, Donnie Thompson. Is that his name? Donnie Thompson? No, no, no. Um, I think it's... Uh... Brian something or other. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I've missed the guy's name. The guy that wrote the 1020 life book, I think. Yeah. Something, something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Something like that. And again, I'm I'm probably butchering this anecdote, but the the whole notion around it is essentially he had a a horrific injury, like a very, very almost like life debilitating back injury. But Mm. his 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 whole kind of approach to it was he he learned how to develop his training and his lifestyle around that and he actually became stronger, better off for it. And I I would definitely consider myself to be one of those people. Like everything improved my even just appreciation for what my body was capable of in that rehab process. Like I was down 
down down and out like I felt like I was the weakest person I've ever been like I've never be able to do certain things I'd never be able mm-hmm. to raise my arm above my head all kinds of things that I was going to have surgeries and, and blah, blah 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 and then through strength training avoided that entirely I've never had to get in touch wood never had any issues whatsoever no no residual pain for what was a pretty bad injury and again a lot of people have experienced that and not had training to fall back on and then you've experienced years of chronic pain or experience years of of genuine range of motion issues and that's where the fitness industry tends to pounce on people a little bit and say well you need to do this and i think this is a thread you and i see very much eye to eye on is this whole notion of uh, of correcting things or fixing problems uh, when really all people need to do is is just expose themselves to some movement and some and some strength training yeah. and, and these things will and like we said before the podcast sort themselves out because the body is extremely adaptable extremely resilient and injury can sort of give you a, a, a very stark uh, or like you really really do realize that yeah i i think you know it's a an issue that i am particularly passionate about because i've gone through it myself mm-hmm. um with my shoulder and I also had a knee injury the last few years that I picked up. Um, and before I learned more about the pain science and, and physio science stuff, mm-hmm. I mean, I've always had a pretty good bullshit detector when it comes mm-hmm. to people trying to, to sell stuff that I just don't think really sounds very logical, but um, the mainstream in fitness still and has been for decades is that there are good and bad ways of moving, good and bad mm-hmm. exercises, um, dysfunctional movement patterns, and that um, they're kind of to blame for any time mm-hmm. that you're in pain. And that if you just tick all of these boxes, you know, get your glute med to, to some arbitrary amount of strength or get your yeah. knee into this kind of position over your toes when you're squatting, uh, that you should expect it to be pain-free and that actually made all of my issues worse because I became hyper vigilant about my movement was thinking about the right way to be walking when I was just going for, you know, a walk around the block or to the park or whatever. And, uh, it was only when I actually learned how adaptable our bodies really can be that I just kind of dropped the neuroticism and actually managed to, you know, like there's a lot of injuries, I think. I don't think it's fair sometimes to say that people should expect to be hundred percent pain-free, but I think that people should expect to be able to find strategies that will allow them to get back to at least being able to do the stuff that they love and being able to not have their pain control their lives, you know? And, yeah. um, you know, there's a, there's a guy who's messaged me a few times about lots of uh, aches and pains that he's had. And I've kind of tried to guide him through, uh, and give them as good information as I can, but you've probably experienced this too with people that you train, whether it comes to nutrition misinformation or the physio misinformation stuff. Sometimes you just have to let people make their own mistakes. And yeah. that's the only way that they'll kind of come around to the seemingly um, harder, longer term choice. And, you know, this guy went to go see a guy who's a you know, quote unquote expert, paid lots of money for consultations, didn't see any results. And then went to somebody who was charging far less money for a much more sensible, let's just try to kind of reintegrate back into slowly loading the movements that you want to get better at again. And he's had much more progress since then. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure you found that as well with, with people that sometimes people just kind of have to go off and, and give things a try before. Yeah. They'll, yeah. uh, they'll come around you know 100 and it's like 
one of my favorite phrases in uh, in just life in general is majoring in the minors. People focus in on the minutia. I think you just said it there. Like mm. these really specific things. They they pick a snippet of information or they feel like they they know. Uh, okay, I shouldn't be doing that, and and then they apply that in it such to such an extent that it does create a neurotic mindset. And, it, and nutrition is a big one. I mean, that's a whole other rabbit hole we could dive down in terms of people's. Uh, interaction with food and how they mm. how and their relationships with food and how difficult that can be as a coach to deal with but um when it comes to to like yeah movement quality it is just the, and it's funny you should say the sensible uh the sensible person that this person saw that eventually was uh was charging far less i find in general the people who do deliver the best information tend to charge very reasonably because it i think it does fall hand in hand with the the ethos of being of trying to provide good information it just mm-hmm. the whatever characteristics people have that they tend to try and charge reasonable prices to make sure people have access to that whereas the people who are charging exorbitant prices are also the ones who are delivering information that is um probably not correct or at least taking something to an extreme and the biggest thing that frustrates me about the fitness industry is these extremes that we see and we could apply that to injuries or we could apply that to sports or mm. nutrition taking an idea and, uh, and turning it into this ethos or um, almost cult like um uh or like fanaticism around a style of training or a way of eating and I, I really try and avoid talking about other people i'd rather let my own work kind of do the talking for me and that's why i agree 100 what you just said there of letting people go off and discover that these things really are just fads or really are just something that's people looking to take their money and and, and it's 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 frustrating to be to have to do that and to have to hear people say well oh no i think you know i think your sessions are quite expensive or this place you work is quite expensive i don't know if i can afford that i'd rather go and do this it's like well if that's the case maybe you need to go and do that first and then and then we'll talk again in three months time because uh, you'll be back and i have actually said that to people i'm not trying to be arrogant but it's a case of allowing people to go through that process. I, I'm a big believer that fitness in general, strength training, nutrition, whatever it is the person wants, it'll come to them when they're actually ready. And some people just aren't quite ready. They want the quick fix or they want the, the flashy thing they saw on Instagram or they want the the thing that someone like, let's take, I'm not going to drop too many brands on you, but something like Slimming World, something that seems very quick yeah. and accessible. Um, it can be, that's kind of the opposite end of the spectrum. It's very low entry point, but it's the same idea of like, this very extreme thing that I'm going to do is going to fix my problems. Uh, like as if there's a timeline on any of this, which there just simply isn't. Yeah. I've come across it. I come across, come across it obviously with nutrition, but also with, with movement as in like, uh, oh, uh, someone will send you a video completely out of context and say, oh, I, I see this person is doing this thing. And uh, do you think I should do this? And it's like, Mm. The answer to that is impossible. Um, first of all, no, because that's that what that individual person is doing. I could just respond and say, no, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> also, if you were looking to implement something like that, here's how you'd go about it. Yeah. And this is where the whole process idea comes in and, and the, the the complete impatience that 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 like kind of modern society does suffer with in general is prone. And this is what these people prey on a little bit, well, mm. a lot, <laughs> constantly. Um, it's, it, and it's a real shame. And and like things like chronic injury, chronic, um, uh, you know, issues with around food, get get absolutely uh, uh, pounced upon by by the industry. And it's it's a real shame. Um, yeah. And we could go down that rabbit a rabbit hole, I'm sure, to a, to a, to a, to a great extent. Yeah. Well, um, one one thing I wanted to kind of add to that that I've observed is that I think that in the industry within the the marketing aspect of us especially on social media there's kind of there's this illusion created that you have um 
that you have a choice between doing this thing that on its face looks like the easy shortcut option. And you have a choice between doing that or this um, kind of almost overly uh, simple sounding thing, but that it's going to take much longer and it's going to take much more consistent effort. And that's more like the stuff that we're offering to people. Um, but realistically, you actually don't have that. That choice doesn't exist because the, unfortunately the easy shortcut option isn't real. If it is real, you know, we'd both be availing of it all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's real for some people in the sense that, you know, if somebody is selling, say, like a six week to getting shredded program and they get 200 people, maybe they'll get three people out of that 200 who, for whatever reason, did manage to get good results and they can use them for a marketing campaign. But it's not reflective of what the average person is actually going to get out of that. And it's also not reflective of how those three people are going to look in a year or two years time. Yeah. Um, yeah it's a harder sell and I don't think you will ever actually be able to compete from a sales standpoint, telling somebody that they need to commit to a long-term kind of process oriented method um, that requires lifestyle changes and habit changes and still may not end up making you look like Jason Momoa by the end of it, you know, yeah. but you'll be satisfied because you're building self-esteem by setting goals and achieving those goals. And, you know, it just, social media just isn't set up to, um, to do that, that philosophy justice, because it's like the the attention span that it's catering to is just too small for that. Uh, And I'm not saying that in like um, a disrespectful way. I mean, like that's the, all of our attention spans are kind of like funneled into that just by virtue of the fact that you're using an Instagram or TikTok. Like it's, it's 10 or 15 second long things is what it's set up for. So I do think that there's kind of like this illusion that there's a choice that, that these um, platforms create and, you know, they, they cater to people who are, are selling that because it works well on the platforms. hundred percent. And it's like, it's like it's almost like if you were to to say to someone at the beginning of their career, it's like right, you can go and do this very expensive uh, course. It's called a degree. You have to spend loads of money on it. You have to do it for three or four years. Then you have to work for probably four or five years to make your to make like bed yourself into the industry and develop a yeah. develop some networks and find a mentor. And then maybe in ten to fifteen years, you can have a really good career and start earning some good money. Mm. Or here's this really flashy thing that if you start investing in right now, and if you listen to what I'm telling you and you pay me, I'm mm. going to give you all that in 15 uh, weeks, not, not 15 years. It's like, so it's in all trends of society. It's people preying on the insecurities and this kind of immediate need for immediate results. Mm-hmm. And the, the choice thing is so, so, tr- so true. And it's something that I've actually found hard to put into words before you put it very eloquently. It's like these quick fixes, these things, these like, as fitness professionals, if people in the industry, we would we would be doing these things if they were in fact the case. Like mm-hmm. th- th- there's no there's no incentive for any gym, and the people think, oh, you know, they just want us to pay a membership or to pay a subscription fee and just keep going. And it's like, yeah. but it's because these things take time that these things exist. Yeah. If it only took six weeks to go from A to B, that's how we do it, and we'd probably just charge a lot of money for those six weeks and then send you on your way, and it would be fine. That would be absolutely fantastic if that's yeah. how education worked. If that's how making 
money worked, if that's how everything works, that's mm. that's what people would do. The fact of the matter is these things take time and they also have to fall into line with the rest of your life. So if you want to lose 10 kg in six weeks, is it physically possible? Absolutely. You can. Your life is just going to be absolutely shit for those six weeks. <laughs> I don't want to swear too much. I'm not sure how much swearing oh, you're no, allowed. It's, but... it's free reign on this podcast. Don't worry. <laughs> but like, is that possible? The answer is absolutely yes. But the, the things you're going to have to do, the, 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 the impacts that will have in your life. And if you're a father of two kids and with a 40 hour week, 50 hour week job, a partner, friends, uh, other responsibilities, a dog that needs to be taken for a walk, you won't be able to, you will be able to do whatever it is for that you need to do for those six weeks for maybe a week, 10 days, and yeah. then you're going to fall off and you'll just be jumping from the next thing to the next thing, the next thing. And that's if you get involved at all, because with social media and with this intense, um, uh, uh, sort of fight for our attention comes inertia where people just don't know what to do. The amount of times mm-hmm. I have a conversation with someone and they're like, I just didn't know where to start. Yeah. When in reality, all they need to do is start something. And then once you start something, like you said earlier, you can try the whole, the things that don't work, all the quick fixes, dip in and out. And then you'll eventually find something that's a little bit more sustainable, something that's a little bit more um, realistic and that will start to get to actually yield the results that you're after. Mm. And it's those habit changes and those slow, not sexy, <laughs> very hard to market uh, behavioral changes and consistency that then does ultimately lead to the insane transformations that you do do see people get and that's yeah. where obviously very very successful personal trainers and very very successful gyms get to get to show but what's not shown in that process is how long that could take and how much of a yeah. process that is but within mm. that process and this is where i believe i do believe strength training and, and training in general this is why i've pursued personal training so hard is going to become so so important is because society is becoming more and more uh, sedentary there's more and more of a need for people to incorporate this into their lives in order to live longer in order to avoid long-term health issues um in order to avoid the cycle of uh, seeking pain medication or or long-term yeah. medication or long-term surgical interventions these can all be avoided if we early in our life start to incorporate exercise start to incorporate movement of some mm. description doesn't have, doesn't necessarily have to even be in a gym just something that's going to that's going to put your body through a little bit of a process and adapt and overcome over time and just get stronger and and fitter with time and that, yeah. that's essentially what it is and it's so it's so dull even when i say it but I, it's it's something that people will find eventually i hope once they've been through all those other mm-hmm. experiences and so, in, and you're doing that through, you do kind of a blend of online and in-person coaching, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I work with Nika Fit Studios in, in Kilkool. I've just started working with them again. I've been working with them long-term previously as well. Small group personal training, which is a, a, a system I believe in quite a bit just because one-to-one personal training, as you know, and, and as I'm sure people who are listening have experienced, can be quite expensive. Um, mm. So there's a little bit of a barrier there in terms of the time that a good quality coach has to put aside for one-to-one personal training. So small group uh, allows for a four-to-one, four, four clients to one coach ratio. So the price is slightly diluted, but the experience is, is less diluted. It's still quite individualized. So that's yeah. kind of the bread, and, the bread and butter of the work that I do. And then I also work online uh, with people in their homes, either remotely where we'll, we'll, where we'll message and go back and forth in emails, maybe the odd video call to, to catch up. Yeah. But then I'll also do Zoom classes, so personal training via Zoom. Okay. And uh, that can work really well for people in terms of uh, if they work from home, if they just can't make it to the gym or they just prefer to be training at home. It's a system that's definitely developed as a result of the pandemic. I think there's no doubt about that. I don't think Zoom classes, if you described to me what I did this morning for the first four hours of my day three years ago, I would have said, 
you know, maybe there's been some kind of nuclear disaster and we can't leave our homes because it's, it's so bizarre to me, yeah. but it's become, it's become kind of the norm. Um, and it kind of, it, it kind of feeds into the previous conversation. We're having one of the biggest barriers for fitness or, or for people getting into fitness is, is, is the debt, the, the perceived time commitment when there really, mm. there really isn't, uh, it's really something that can be quite easily incorporated in many different ways into our lifestyle. It doesn't have to be some, some massively time consuming thing. And uh, these are some of the kind of myths and fallacies that me as a personal trainer, I'd really like to break through with people and be like, listen, this is not something that's going to alter your life massively. I'm not asking you to do four, two hour workouts a week. I'm yeah. asking you to train, train two to three times a week, 45 minutes to an hour at a time. Mm. Uh, and by the way, you can do that at home if you want. <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's, uh, it's about just getting involved and, and, and getting people in to that process uh, by any means, by any means necessary. And then once they're in that, they can, uh, and then if they choose to join a gym like Nikafit or work with a personal trainer like yourself and take that next step and, and reprioritize their training, they have that option as well. So that's my kind of bread and butter at the minute is that small group personal training and also giving people um, um, some uh, online online uh, PT and, yeah. uh, and remote coaching as well. And I found that people in the beginning can actually make a loss of, of progress for quite a while on as little as one or two sessions a week. I mean, mm -hmm. I started training my mom there a few months ago and she's literally just done one session a week, every Saturday morning. And she's been able to add a little bit more every single week. And actually, you know, she was kind of concerned about the fact that maybe she needed to do more because I think she had heard on the radio or something, uh, I don't know, a, a doctor or something was saying that. So, you know, the research shows that you should be doing resistance training two to three times a week and then like some kind of cardiovascular exercise every day or whatever. And I kind of said, well, look, think about it. What is the point? Why are we doing strength training? Like, what is the actual purpose of it? And she kind of thought about it and said, uh, to get stronger. And I said, yes. And are you getting stronger? And, you know, I pulled up, I, I keep everybody's um, progress in their exercises logged on a nice Excel spreadsheet with some nice pretty looking bar charts and stuff because people like to see that. Yeah. And she said, oh, God, yeah, I have actually, you know, gone from picking up like a 10 kilo dumbbell to being able to deadlift with a bar like 30 kilos, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, you've gotten stronger. So it's serving its purpose. Mm -hmm. And, in terms of your life up till now, where you were doing zero gym sessions a week, you've actually made a hundred percent increase in your frequency of training every week. So there's no need to add more onto that until we really need to, because I'd rather exactly. make sure that we keep the hundred percent compliance week in week out going, you know? Absolutely. And I'm, I'm going to jump ahead just for a second. It's reminded me you, you asked to send on a, a series of questions to me before the podcast. And one of them is what have I changed my mind on the most as a coach in recent times? Sure. And it's yeah. that it's, it's, it's starting with the little, the smallest amount that you can actually do. It's like the minimum effective dose idea. There's yeah. actually, it's a bit of a bit of jargon, but essentially what that means in training is the least you can get away with doing while making progress. Yeah. So I used to be very much, all right, you're in the gym now let's train three or four times a week let's do this let's do that let's start counting your macros let's start doing that and it's it's all it's it's a lot like again because people have a huge amount going on in their lives the yeah. the uh, fitness is quite low down on people's priority list and rightly so because they've other more pressing things going on uh, in their lives and especially strength training uh, unless you have an inherent inherent 
interest you're saying we're essentially relying on ourselves to impress upon people why that's mm. important they might, might they might not necessarily know or care yeah so like, what can you start with like what can you change now at the very beginning to get better so that could be like for your mom one strength session per week for another person it could be going for a 20 minute walk three times a week for another person it might be adding in a fifth training session for an olympic level athlete it might be adding in a two a day sessions, you know, it's all relative to what's actually being done beforehand. And this is why the fitness industry becomes so inaccessible to people because they're being told constantly how much they need to do what they need to do. Um, And it's either, it's a mixture of quick fixes and some unattainable training program that's been written out for people with completely no context provided. Uh, Has the uh, whole hustle grind every single day mantra attached to it, you know? Exactly. And it's like, we'd all love to do that. We'd all love to pursue our hobbies and our goals relentlessly every single day. Yeah. But unfortunately we have to work on our money and pay rent and feed ourselves and feed, feed others in a lot of people's cases and, yeah. and, and do all those things first. And then we can look after ourselves. So when it comes to training, adding in one session, when people join the gym, I often say to them, just do one or two sessions. If you can do that for four weeks, yeah. come back, come back to me and we'll start talking about counting calories. If once you can count calories for four weeks, come back to me and we'll start looking at your, at your macros. And again, initially people kind of are quite hesitant with that. They're like, really? Like, like you don't want me to start doing that? And I was like, yeah. no, yeah. because I don't want, I don't want you to have to take too much onto your plate. Yeah. And then once people realize how quickly you can see progress just by doing that one really small thing, like two training sessions, one training mm-hmm. session, walk every other day, I walk every day. That's, and that's part of the process. So I heard a good phrase recently is like, we often, we often hear progressive overload and that's what you're describing there with your, with your mom. She's progressively overloading, getting stronger over, over, over weeks, but progressive overload is part of a greater kind of Mm. progressive, progressive stimulus as in you're adding a stimulus, you're adding something that's going to change the way you behave or change the way your body is performing. And then if you can just add that one thing in and just consistently stack those things over time, that's when you start to see big changes and it's also when you start to see your whole life changing your habits your mm-hmm. ability to move your ability for some people who are a little bit older could be their ability to climb stairs uh, for a younger person it could be their ability to jump higher or lift more weight or whatever mm-hmm. it is and starting with that minimum effective dose idea and carrying that through for as long as you can and and realizing it's it's a long-term process and it's something to actually be enjoyed as well because as you mm-hmm. start to feel stronger it feels it feels great and i'm sure your mom is and and hopefully the majority of people who we, you and I have both worked with have enjoyed the spoils of actually just being stronger and feeling more capable. Mm, absolutely. And I'm reading um, an interesting book at the moment. I don't know if you've read it or heard about it. It's called Atomic Habits. Yeah, I have. Um, yeah, and I think actually that, that book, I, I noticed a lot of uh, parallels with some of the stuff in that book with the whole idea of minimum effective dose. Mm-hmm. And one thing it really made me think about was how I think that most people overestimate how much willpower they have available to make gigantic changes in in their life. So most people, like by the time that they uh, decide that they're going to go into the gym or start a diet or something like that, they're kind of in this highly motivated state. And they're, they're so fed up with how everything has been going that they just want to do loads of stuff at once um and really kind of lean into that motivation that they have but then it's the it's like the new year's phenomenon you know people do it for two or three weeks and they burn out and then they've they've fallen off the wagon and they haven't managed to reach this really high standard they've set for themselves so they just say well i'll just give it up one percent so i think it's an interesting um 
thing where people overestimate how much willpower they have available for that, but then they also underestimate massively the the long-term power of making a tiny change and staying consistent with this. And like you said, like the stacking effect of that. Um, Like in the first lockdown, I actually did so you know like we, we didn't really have access to gyms and i had some gym equipment but i knew that it wasn't going to be sufficiently heavy enough to be hitting like a, a back squat one rep max or anything like that so it was just kettlebells and bands and weight vests so i decided i'd kind of make a goal that would be kind of congruent to the situation i was in which was to lose some body fat and i actually made very little changes to my diet in terms of like the actual foods that I ate, but I just kind of tried to make two habits, which was that every day I would weigh myself in the morning, um, mm-hmm. slash also, you know, track my, my calories. And then mm-hmm. the big one was that I would go for a walk every day mm-hmm. and, um, just doing that. And through very little manipulation of my diet, like I wasn't really hungry at all through this process. I worked up to doing an hour long walk every day. And by the end of this, I'd lost seven kilos after like wow. maybe, I think I did that from maybe about March through to sometime in the midsummer, maybe so like June or something like that. So about three months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really thanks to just, you know, becoming aware about what I was eating by using something like my fitness pal and just going for a walk every day. And uh, yeah. whereas I think most people would assume you need to be doing like high intensity interval training classes and yeah. cutting carbs out of your diet and doing crazy stuff. And I just did two really simple things that actually made the whole process quite enjoyable. Like yeah. I, my, my routine for the walk would be I'd go on a walk and listen to a podcast. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the walk, I'd get a chocolate bar in the shop because I yeah. knew that it would just be factored into my calories and I'd kind of account for it by the end of the day. And the yeah. whole process was actually pretty pleasant. Um, yeah. In fact, I actually find it much harder, like having to, to gain seven kilos and force feed yourself. Yeah. Um, and I just thought it was just funny, like how totally dichotomous that was to what you would usually see being promoted to lose, you know, five yeah. to 10 kilos. Yeah, completely. I mean, I, I, it wouldn't make a very catchy ad. It's like walk an hour a day for, for three months and buy yeah. a chocolate bar in the shop and lose seven kg. But it is, but it is so like, I, I think I actually use that phrase. It's probably from, I think he actually uses that. James Kerr uses that exact phrase, the habit stacking idea. Mm. And it's, it's so, I did a very similar thing myself during lockdown, a lot of walking. I think a lot of people did. And it, it showed me, it demonstrated to me similar to yourself, how powerful that is and how, how much of an impact that can have mm. psychologically, but also physically. And this is where these tiny little changes, like the changes you made were so, were so small. And so um, like from the outside looking in fairly inconsequential, but yielded great results. Yeah. It's just a, it's, it's a hard one to impress upon people. Cause again, it just, like you said, when in that highly motivated state, when someone approaches a personal trainer, what people don't really understand is that you're dealing with someone who is, is either in a crisis, like they're, they're, they've sort of realized where they're at in their life. And they're like, mm-hmm. I need to do this thing. I need to do it urgently. Or they're there probably on someone else's behalf. Like they've probably been sent there. Like they got a voucher or yeah. they've been hearing from their partner or their son or their and dad. I find that never, that never works out long-term in my experience. It never does. So, so they're already in the mindset of like, yeah. I just want to get this over and done with. I just want to try and, you know, I just want to do this, like get it out of mm-hmm. the way. Whereas the decision you made during the lockdown was very much uh, came from within. And it, it was, it was uh, something that you, you knew it was going to take time. And there wasn't even necessarily an end specific goal in mind. This is another thing 
where having a goal is great, but having a sort of a, a greater idea of why you're doing it is much more powerful. Yeah. Like looking to lose X, you didn't set out and say, right by mid July, I want to lose seven kg. You just said, I was like, I want to lose a little bit of body fat. What are the habits I need to do to do that? Like what does someone who's losing weight do? Moves yeah. more, eats slightly less. Yeah. And if you actually understand that greater purpose and you understand that you can get into the conversation of energy balance and how that all works, but essentially what behaviors do I need to exhibit to actually be a person who's actively losing body fat? And then yeah. once you start doing those things, lo and behold, it happens. And it's literally quite literally that simple. Yeah. And that's like, I've very rare. I think that was only like the third time in my life ever that I've really done like a, a cuss to try mm-hmm. to like, you know, dedicatedly lose body fat. And, um, I never, yeah, I've never really, I've kind of always had like a vague idea of like, okay, I'm, you know, 92 kilos now. I'd like to get down to maybe 85, but I would never have that as such a strict target that if I was feeling like absolute shit at 86 kilos, that I'd keep pushing 85. Um, Mm -hmm. I've always come into it from the viewpoint of my goal is to get healthier. And I, I would try to kind of approach all the decisions throughout the day in terms of what would a healthier person do in this scenario or, or what kind of habits would a healthy person have in place? So that's, you know, it, it's not so much about giving yourself strict rules. It's more like, you know, if you go on a night out, would the healthy person maybe try to get like a main course that has some vegetables in it and doesn't have deep fried onion rings on the side. And, you know, maybe they would try to get like the, the lower calorie option beer, as opposed to, getting like red red bull and you know sugary cocktails and stuff like that and um i think people find it very hard to take that that gray view on things as opposed to a black and white well i need to lose body fat so i'm not going out anymore and i'm not going to i'm not going to be having meals in restaurants because i can't count the calories and that's like as long as on average you're making healthier decisions on a day-to-day basis than you would have previously, it's going to manifest in terms of you getting the the outcome that you want over time. Absolutely. And uh, like what you touch on there, the, the incorporating the things that you enjoy into your life. Uh, I think I very recently had a, a conversation with someone in the gym around, uh, around going out and she was basically saying how she was going to start cutting it out. Right. And, and and how she was stressing that uh, that there was something coming up that she felt she had to go to. And I was like, well, why wouldn't you go to it? And she's like, well, well there's going to be food and drink there. I was like, well, go. And uh, what kind of food and drink is going to be there? Oh, you know, the usual stuff that you might find at a party. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, how about instead of doing the behaviors that you've previously exhibited, which is over-consuming alcohol and therefore probably partaking in the food, and then that, that process just escalating, escalating, and then having yeah. no energy the next day and the usual cycle that she was going through. It's like, how about you go to that have like you said maybe a light drink or or a non-alcoholic drink mm. eat beforehand but still go enjoy it spend time there um you probably actually find it a lot more enjoyable because you won't be compromising the next day you won't be going into work tired you won't be missing the gym on monday and again that whole conversation was kind of like she kind of, she kind of made a, a a gesture to me and it was like like oh geez oh, i wish i'm like yeah. People are people are so black and white when it is it's pure shades of gray when it comes to these things. It's like you can just make the slightly better choice, but yeah. still go, still go to the restaurant with your family, like still celebrate your anniversary, or mm. or like you said on your walk, you would buy yourself a chocolate bar, probably as a form of incentive almost at the end of the walk. Mm, as yeah, as something pure, to look forward to. Yeah, something to look forward to. Pure enjoyment factor. But you had been on the hour long walk, you'd probably 
done a certain amount of steps, burned a certain amount of calories. If you, if you, if you then, if you incorporate this way of thinking into your life and incorporate strength training, fitness, uh, a better, healthier approach to food, everything can be enjoyed. I would, I would argue more. That's just Mm -hmm. my experience. I don't necessarily think getting blackout drunk and over consuming calories on the weekend is the best thing to be doing for anyone, no matter how much you think you're enjoying it. Uh, I think things can be enjoyed differently and, and perhaps even better. Yeah, that's more of a personal opinion, but it's it's definitely uh, an ethos that, that that again it's it's a hard sell to people. They don't necessarily mm. either they don't they don't believe you. They just they just don't think that could happen. It's like I, I go to party, the bad result. I eat too much. I drink too much. Yeah. It's like how about you go to the party, but you just approach it differently. Like like you said, that 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 mindset of what would a what would a healthy person do, like mm-hmm. or what would an athlete do, like, like when I was back doing uh, competing and powerlifting regularly, I, I never used to drink because my idea was, well, athletes don't drink, like athletes don't consume alcohol frequently. So yeah. that was just my way of justifying it to myself. And it worked at the time. And now I probably drink more alcohol than I ever have previously in my life. I don't drink a lot of alcohol, but I probably every second or third weekend, I probably have some, some drinks because yeah. I'm just in a different phase of my life, but I never over consume because I realized that if I do, or if I overconsume too frequently, it's just going to, it's going to interrupt my mm-hmm. other behaviors. It's going to interrupt my ability to train early in the week. I'm probably going to push my training back to Wednesday, or I'm probably going to overconsume calories because I'm going to feel like shit. And it's, it's, uh, it's these choices that we can make. And that's that idea of stacking habits and behaviors. Uh, and it, it yields such a, a massive result. That's hard to see as yeah. the weeks are months go on but when you look back i'm sure when you look back at that period at the beginning of the lockdown you're like geez i made such a profound change to my physique like i lost seven kilos that's yeah. massive like that's huge mm-hmm. but at the time it probably didn't feel like that at all and yeah. uh and, <laughs> and same when you're building up to a squat pr it's like okay i squatted 200 that's great but like look at how far i've come whereas because that just happens so so slowly um and that's this sort of it's the backbone to everything. It's the backbone to 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 any pursuit in life, but but especially fitness. It just has to be a slow, slow changing in the way you behave. Yeah, and I think that the the thing that that people struggle with with that kind of process oriented thing is obviously the days where things don't go well. So the days when you're on you're on your diet and your weight is spiked. A little bit and you're you know maybe maybe a kilo and a half heavier than you were at the start of the week or you're doing a strength training program and the weight that you're able to do for 10 reps last week is an absolute grind for five reps this week um and that's where people can fall off the wagon or start chopping and changing things um in a real kind of impulsive way and one thing that i've really found uh that's helped me with my own kind of goals and also people that I train is actually by reframing those kind of days as actually by far the most important days in the whole kind of process. Like how you, how you react to the bad days will kind of define um, whether or not you reach your goals, because if you react by jumping off the diet and saying, well, feck I'm just going to, you know, count this as a really bad day and, and then I'll start again tomorrow that's where you know you start getting back into bad habits again uh same with the strength training program that's where you see people start to program hop because this program they've been doing for you know two or three weeks making progress on they've had a bad session they're saying oh, i'm going to go google something else and start doing something completely different completely different exercises completely different 
you know loading scheme they're not used to and people go around in circles whereas if you actually look at those bad days as like really important steps um you can kind of uh almost uh re recess your baseline of what a bad day looks like and i think as what your bad day looks like starts to get better over time that's a really good gauge of actually making progress and long-term habit changes yeah 100 and the 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 panic that sets in when people have those moments like you say is what leads to the chopping and changing yeah when you're much better off like again just coming back to the example you use of losing seven kg from doing a one hour walk a day mm-hmm. i think we, we would both agree that's not the most optimal that's not the way you would approach it with everyone. It's not, it's not the most optimal way to lose seven kg in three months, uh, buying a chocolate bar at the end of your walk and doing it that way, but you yeah. stuck with it and did it consistently. You're actually much better off just as a general point for people listening to pick something. <laughs> and as long as it's sustainable, as long as you enjoy it, just do it. Even if you think, even if you know for a fact, mm. there's probably a better way to do it. Uh, if it's something that you can sustain and do consistently, you're going to see results from it one way or the other, if your habits reflect it. But, um, yeah, it's 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 so true. I kind of kind of gone off the topic a little bit there, but it's it, when people chop and change and have those panic and 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 a bad day becomes a bad week becomes a bad month. That's when the real uh, problems occur, and that's where that cycle of trying something, falling off, trying something, yeah, falling yeah. off, just repeats and repeats, and it can repeat for people for years. And you and I both know from talking to clients who've joined ten different gyms, tried twenty different personal trainers, spent thousands of euro on on coaches on training programs on nutritionists and never seen any results is because they never stick with anything long enough to see that process come to fruition and the bad days are super frustrating and we have them all the time like i'm just going to take myself for it for instance this week i would have loved to have trained at this stage but i just haven't because i haven't had time Mm -hmm. and i'm getting i get really frustrated by that but i i have been in this long enough to know i I, there's no need to panic i don't need to go in and do something rash now later on when i train try and make up for the fact that i haven't trained since saturday and bury myself in a really hard workout and just be knackered tomorrow and not be no use to anyone i just have to pick up the process from where i left off and just continue and 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 take to take sort of it's almost like having a bit of empathy for yourself and for your for 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 the other factors at play like if we had a bad training session there could be myriad reasons why that happens poor sleep the night before maybe you didn't eat as much calories as you usually do the day before maybe you over consume calories and you're a yeah. little bit um you're a little bit inflamed or you just feel bad you just feel bloated and you're not feeling great about yourself that day everything has its own context and so a bad training session or a bad day on a diet does not does not destroy, does not alleviate, does not mean mm. that those previous days or weeks or months aren't worth it. It's just a, 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 a way of, I think you put it well, reframing it and being like, right, today was a bad day. Let's just pick it up again the next day and yeah. just keep going from where you were. Because if you pack it all in, that's where this repeat cycle and that's where your mindset starts to drift towards, well, maybe if I just, just did this very extreme thing for a really short period of time, that wouldn't happen. Or yeah. if I change this other thing that, you know, Siobhan down the road did, maybe I'll get the same results. It's like, mm-hmm. well, maybe, but whatever you're doing seems to be working up to this point. How about you stick with it? How about you take today as today was a bad day and just step up and just move on from the next day. And it's, it, 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 it'll, it'll actually create a much less stressful experience for yourself. You're like, all right, okay, just calm down and just try again tomorrow. Same with you. Like when we have a bad day at work, we still show up the next day. Like we don't just quit because yeah. like, oh, I did a bad, I did a bad session with that person. I wasn't, that wasn't my best ever coaching session. I think I'll I'll, I'll stop doing this. (laughs) It's like, well, good thing. Everyone doesn't do that with their job or Mm. with their, with their, with their, whatever. A long time ago. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. We all would have stopped pretty much everything we do a long time ago if we were lied up being good all the time. Mm. And I think a lot of it is that that kind of self-compassion piece is just missing from a lot of people because they're so ingrained in this idea that this has to happen tomorrow. You know, this happen has to happen immediately. Um, so yeah, it's it's uh, again, I've gone a little bit tangential on that one, but the the whole notion of of sticking with something and staying like staying the course uh, uh, is gonna is gonna get you much much further than hopping chopping and changing constantly and, and trying the next new thing or or the what you perceive to be better yeah and uh, one thing uh a very common thread i've noticed between uh your programming and mine is that i think we both really value simplicity in training mm-hmm. um it looks like you're similar to me i don't know if you've had this before but i very often have um either people that i train or maybe sometimes um other coaches who are kind of in the process of just starting out uh, with coaching people comment about like, Oh, you know, I'm surprised there's not more exercises in your session or like, it looks, it looks uh, very, very simple. Like, you know, kind of stuff that you could easily find on some of the the popular programs that are already online. And um, I'd just be interested to hear your perspective on, was that always, how you programmed or was there there's some kind of revelation you had along the way that that made you change things with that and, and what's the benefit that you found with us yeah so for me it wasn't necessarily a revelation it was just more a realization of what what the realities of training are for the majority of people so when i first started training i'm sure my sessions were probably two hours long uh, i was in college i had all the time in the world to do whatever i wanted mm-hmm. i used to do the classic leg day like four or five different leg exercises and the next day go in yeah. five different chest exercises and that's just how a lot of people get into especially young men uh women as well so the simplicity around training has become i i think it's kind of it's kind of something that i i believe in so thoroughly at this stage i would find it uh i i find it quite easy to to sort of articulate because time management is a big thing for people we're all time poor in in this society mm, so yeah when it comes yeah. to when it comes to training for me it's that's that's simply why i train as simply as i do because i don't really want to be in the gym or can't really afford to be in the gym for more than an hour at a time certain days i could probably spend a bit longer there and, and sometimes i do and i throw in a circuit at the end with a few different movements but if i'm to simply look at it and say right what do i need to do to achieve my goal at the time, whether it's a strength goal or um, I'm losing body fat or I'm just trying to generally get stronger, I'm going to pick the exercises that are going to give me my best bang for my book. And then that's how you and I and how a lot of coaches will 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 program for their clients because they are coming into the gym probably two, three times a week at the most, an hour at a time. You don't want to waste any time. And people don't want to yeah. waste time yeah. on those sessions. You don't want to spend, or you, at least you shouldn't spend, loads of time doing th- things that just are, com- are a complete waste of that person's time. Yeah. So it's 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 actually just a, a simple logistical thing and a, a question of efficiency. It's like, how do we get the end result from this training session, from this training mm-hmm. program in the simplest possible way? And then you and I and, and all coaches hopefully know that these were exercises have been established long ago as by far the most effective movements. And mm. when you see uh, pedaling a new exercise or an extreme exercise variation, ext- approach with extreme caution slash run in the opposite direction. Yeah, yeah. Um, these things are established for a reason. The, the human body moves in a certain way and certain joints and muscles do a certain thing. And these exercises are have been have been invented and and uh, and broken down hundreds and millions of times things like the squat the deadlift an overhead press a bench press a push-up yeah. uh some kind of pulling movement a chin-up 
a few extra little accessories at the end. Like these are the exercises that are going to get the best results. Mm -hmm. So if you take those, build a program around it that's time efficient, that has some kind of progressive overload worked into it, and you follow that for long enough, you're going to see results. So yeah. why not do it that way? Why why put more pressure on yourself by adding in more variety unless yeah. you have a specific reason to do so? And this is where um, this is where a lot of younger coaches, like, and, and we're both guilty of it, I'm sure, of just kind of getting into the minutiae a bit too much of like, well, if I do a split squat this way, or if maybe if I program this way, I'm going to I'm going to get this other smaller kind mm. of like that majoring in the minors idea is like maybe I'll get that that extra. 10%. And, and if you're an athlete, sure. I, if you, I follow a lot of high performance coaches and the things they do with their athletes, and it can get very specific and very time consuming, probably because they're training six hours a day, you know, and they have, they have a, a vested interest to bleed out every possible. Um, and yeah. this is why Cristiano Ronaldo gets a, a, a jaw guard for his bottom jaw to try and align his body and people slag him off. It's like, well, why wouldn't he try that? If he, if he thinks yeah. this, this him, he might make 1% or 0.1% better uh, his, his balance or his running or whatever, he's mm. probably going to try that thing. But for the majority of people who have two to three hours a week to train maximum, you need the biggest exercises that are going to give you the best bang for your book. They're going to get mm. you moving in the best in the best way possible. And no matter what your goal are, whether it's fat loss, gaining muscle, gaining strength, these exercises are going to facilitate those goals, no matter what, no matter what they are. And it's our job as a coach to show a client that to demonstrate it. And then that also applies to, to you and I, like we don't want to be in the gym for two hours, two and a half hours at a time doing seven or eight different exercises. It's, it's time consuming. It's, it's, it's tiring. And it's, it's quite frankly, a little bit boring as well. And yeah. um, training is something that needs to be simple, needs to be easy to deliver and easy to understand. And this is where a lot of fitness programs go wrong because they are none of those things. So mm -hmm. that's why I train the way I train. And that's why I would program for my clients the way that I program. And it's uh, hopefully the way the majority of coaches uh, see it and, and deliver their programs to people because that's what's going to yield the best results. Yeah, well, I think, unfortunately, that's probably not the case based on, yes. on what I've seen. But yeah. um, I couldn't agree more there, Jack, because uh, I think this is a really important concept and it's one that people find hard to understand because I think that, I think, just like we were saying about you know people overestimate how much willpower they have to make huge changes in their life i think that they overestimate how much energy they're going to have in, in a gym session and how much time they're going to have available to get good at things and so sometimes you know people will maybe see me post something on instagram for example about well i you know i don't think this is a great exercise selection and it's not that i think that it's a dangerous exercise or that like it's totally useless um, but if we are actually taking into account the reality that you have a certain amount of energy available to adapt to a stimulus in your body, you've got a certain amount of time available to do that. There probably are better and worse options. And there's this thing where like, you know, you look at some of the really big pages, like, um, I think the biggest guy on athlete on YouTube at the moment is, is athlete X, or he's got to be one of them. And something I find really yeah. funny is that like, if you go through his videos, there's always like a new, like must do exercise. And mm -hmm. I went through before and I counted all of the must do exercises. And if you were to do them all, there's like 40 plus of them. So like you'd be going into the gym and trying to get good at 40 different exercises. Yeah. Just not going to happen. And even if you tried to, it would probably take you at least two hours, bare minimum. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so I think that's where the disconnect happens. Like people are like, well, what's the harm in just trying something? And certainly there's no harm in trying something. But when you have thousands of people online telling you to just try something because it might add like a tiny little percentage. But meanwhile, you know, you haven't even gotten up to being able to add even maybe 10 kilos to your squat from where you started. Um, it's just totally not seeing the, the forest through the trees. Yeah. Like when I program for people, I try to think about like, if I could, if I could wave a magic wand or snap my fingers right now and instantaneously, um, make this person get better at four or five things, what are the four or five things that I think would make like a radical difference in their mm-hmm. strength, their health, their performance, and let's say their aesthetics as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really think there's great evidence anecdotally or empirically that if I got somebody really good at balancing on one leg with a bozu ball while they press a kettlebell overhead that they're going to look like Mr. Olympia. I just don't think there's really good reasoning for that. But Mm -hmm. if I could get somebody to be able to do even a bodyweight squat for a few reps and I don't know, maybe like five chin-ups and maybe if they wanted to, like being able to run, you know, like a 5k in 25 minutes or something like that like that's gonna have made a radical difference to that person's entire bodily system yeah and so it just doesn't make sense to me to push all that stuff to the side to focus on stuff that there's just really no clear um, evidence or measurement that it's going to make a significant difference exactly and there's no evidence and then the the other more basic things that you're referring to like a bodyweight squat or, or teaching someone how to do a proper push-up. That's a big one for me is like a lot of people who approach is like, they don't even know how to do a full push-up properly. And like, mm. once you show them how and, and how that can change their, you know, the way they can hold their body and how much stronger they will feel and how, how, how good it can make their shoulders feel and uh, yeah. that it can actually be a great exercise outside of just something that you were told to do 10 years ago when you were in school. It's a, it's something that can actually make a profound difference. And if you just, if you bear things down to the most important, like you said, the things that have the most, they're both, I mean, clients never want to hear this, but they're most backed by research, uh, both empirical and anecdotal, but also just they're simple and they're actually quite easy to learn. So yeah. it's, 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 uh, it's almost like a fast track to being able to do something quite well. And then once human beings in general learn how to do something quite well, they tend to enjoy it a bit more. We all hate doing things we're bad at. If you mm-hmm. try, if I, I've been in the gym a lot, I'm extremely good proprioception. I, I know how to create tension in my body. I know how to learn and exercise, but I know for a fact, when I try a new exercise and I'm crap at it, I feel really shitty. And I'm like, oh, probably don't want to do that again. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the first time I tried a Turkish get up, I, I was like, I think this is the most ridiculous thing on earth. I actually think it's completely useless. Now, I, I, I definitely fall in the, we get into the Turkish get up at some stage if you wanted to, but it's like, I fall definitely in the middle zone of believing whether that's a useful exercise or not, but it can mm. make people feel pretty crappy. So I wouldn't necessarily impress that upon everyone because I just mm. don't think it's a fundamental exercise. The odd person who develops an interest in it, you might try and learn it, but that's just a specific example for me where I feel most confident, where I see the best results and where I can uh, develop the most is the exercises I can do well. I can mm. repeat them consistently, but also measure it. Like if your programming is simple and it's the same exercise repeated week to week, month after month, you can see tangible progress. You can be right. Um, you know, Killian, when you, when you first came to me, we did a, a 20 kg goblet squat and now you're doing an 80 kg back squat. Like that's four times the load. Your, your depth has gone from uh, squatting to 90 degrees to squatting below 90 degrees. 
yeah. uh, your knee pain that you were experiencing is now gone. If you had chopped and changed and, and, and gone through all kinds of arse ways, routes of getting to that, you'd never really know if that had happened or not. Cause it's like, yeah. Oh, we started with a 20 kilo goblet squat. And now we're doing a single leg um, offset contralateral uh, vibrating yeah. BOSU ball squat. <laughs> and you're doing it great. It's like, Oh, that's great. Yeah. And you know, that's probably, that probably does represent some form of progress, yeah. but it's, it's just, it's completely arbitrary and it, it, it has no, there's no link from A to B. Mm, and yeah. again, as people, we do tend to, uh, even at the, the least analytical of us are the people who have least interest in that kind of thing do like to see progress of some description yes, yeah. and being able to measure that like taking your morning weight every single day that's the simplest step anyone can take to start being in, char- in charge of their in charge mm. of their uh, their fat loss is simply knowing what they weigh <laughs> like yeah. a lot of people don't even know that they're like oh i think i weigh 12 stone i weighed myself 10 years ago it's like well how about you just start weighing yourself every morning Yep. Um, and then start doing all the things like the habits we've discussed. I don't need to go over it. And then you'll start to be able to measure what's actually going on in, in, inside your body. And the same applies to, to exercise, the, 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 the simplicity of it. The beauty of the simplicity is that it's, it's measurable. It's tangible. It's, it's something that we can track over time. And it's, it's funny, um, like how many people I will get coming in and they've never actually considered the, the notion of measuring stuff in the gym, you know, like uh, one of the, one of the funniest um, kind of, uh, I guess, dilemmas I get people coming to me with sometimes is like, I just don't feel like I'm getting any stronger. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, you start like asking questions and prodding and probing and say, okay, well, um, what, what are you lifting currently? And it'd be like, Oh, well, I, I just go in and I usually put maybe like a five kilo each side on the bar and I lift that until I get tired. Mm-hmm. And when you, when you kind of like start asking more questions, it's like this notion of doing slightly more over time and measuring that against where you started. It's never occurred to them. And it's like, well, yeah, why would, why would you expect to, to get stronger? It's not like you'd go in and just push 30 kilos up and down for, you know, two months in a row and all of a sudden you can do 90, you know, you have to do like smaller little bits, but that those are like the really um, glaring big principles of training that most people aren't even aware of um, that. If you actually integrate those into a program, I I found like it can just totally change the, the process for them and the enjoyment that they get from it. Because I used to hate the idea of fitness or going to the gym because to me it just seemed like random chaos like okay i'm just going to go in and just move around until i feel uncomfortable and sweaty i mean even now i wouldn't want to do that i only force (laughs) myself to do the prowler because i know that it's good for my health but i can at least measure what i did before so if i'm going to kill myself to get an extra length of the astro track um, i want to know that it at least means i'm doing more than last time Mm -hmm. and i do think that that's probably the, the biggest selling point of the thing that i'm most passionate about with people is actually the whole the whole progress thing um and inviting them into that that aspect of fitness which doesn't really get talked about enough in the mainstream completely i I couldn't agree more it's like i've come to see the coach client relationship as much more of a collaboration these days it should never be me telling you because i think a lot of coaches and again trying not to you know 
disseminate the idea that all fitness professionals are, are, are to be not to be trusted, but a lot of people aren't. They'll hide behind the guise of complexity as in like, mm. I have the secrets or I have the answer. You're paying me for that. So I'm going to keep like, this perception that you need me somehow. Yeah. I like to think as a coach, and I'm sure you're the same. If you bring people into that, it's like, right, here's how to progress. Here's how I'm progressing you. Here's mm. how I plan to do that. And here's how it's going to work. And then here's an example of how it's working currently for you. Like, you help that person develop autonomy and you help them learn that this process is, is, is something that they can derive enjoyment from. They can track. There's a tangible way of tracking a nice, a nice spreadsheet or simply their note section. I used to use fancy spreadsheets myself. Now I use the note section of my phone. That's all I do. I literally just track everything that I do and I put into my note, mm -hmm. uh, my, my training note section. It's just, it's that simple, but I derive great pleasure from that. Cause I'm like, right. I, I like, look at what i've done over the for last few weeks and i'm actually get i'm actually going somewhere with this and i still get pleasure out of that even though i've been through that process hundreds of times bringing people into that conversation bringing the client into it and showing them right okay you've been doing 30 kg on your squats for the last six months and you're expected to get stronger how about we try 35 and then 40 and then 45 and then over time you're going to start seeing that progress yeah. you're going to start feeling stronger you're going to start feeling more confident and then eventually they're going to start making those jumps on their own like i have clients that i have to hold them back i'm like no no we're not going to go five kilos this week or we're yeah. like, here and here's why it's like you've developed enough strength you've been training for long enough where that process is now going to slow down it's going to take a little bit longer and that's when you have that conversation about how to maybe drive uh, progress through volume as opposed to adding adding load or maybe maybe actually adding a little, I know, I know we were saying we're not, we, we don't want to add in too much complexity, but eventually you might have to add complexity as in you might go from sure, a goblet yeah. squat to a back squat, or you might go from a trap bar deadlift to a straight bar deadlift or something mm. that, that it's just a little bit harder to learn at first. Cause that person has kind of graduated to that point or they've developed such an interest and they're like, right, I actually want to try that thing that I saw you do, or I want to try, uh, you know, start doing chin-ups. Like that process is going to start and it's going to take a little bit longer. And then, and then you just can apply that same principle of, last week you were able to do one chin up now you can do two or six weeks ago you could do three eccentric chin ups now you can do one chin up and three eccentric chin ups yeah. and it's it's a process that everyone should be brought into and and any coach that holds things back or tries to hide behind that guise of well this is actually quite a complicated system i have mm. that is again something you need to run away from because it's just yeah, it's not a big red flag big red flag and a, a big thing i liked i like to think about clients who i've worked with that that after a while they could probably say you know thanks so much but good luck I, i'm going to go and join mm. the local gym and, and apply this on my own and it's like that's kind of what should happen i would i would hate to think that my clients feel the need to be around me for all of their sessions and i would quite i would be happy to have that conversation with some clients about like well what are you going to do when you're longer no longer working with me or when you're no longer a member of this gym it's like oh i haven't thought about that it's like well yeah. Maybe you should because because you'll uh, you'll you're able to do this on your own, and yeah. that's that's a that's a, a, a kind of a, the end end point for a lot of people is that they go off and train their own and hopefully have those skills and have that as part of their life for the rest of their for the rest of their life. Yeah, I, I've had many clients eventually leave to go off and do their own training, and I think it's great. Like it's a big part of my whole goal of coaching people is for them to have a good enough grasp on the principles of training and the technique of the exercises and how to gauge how hard they're training, et cetera, et cetera, that they can go off into a gym by themselves then and progress. And, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, like I wasn't even really aware that, I mean, somebody told me a story about a gym uh, that they were working in. It's quite a large gym chain. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was kind of like, um, 
annoying some of the other personal trainers because they overheard him telling his clients about like the principles of training and basically how the whole program worked and like how it was set up and and you know these are the underlying principles of how all programs work and it was kind of like you know you need to keep that uh hush hush because otherwise they're not yeah. going to rely on us you know to, yeah. to give them all the exactly the, the secrets and to me that's just like what why on earth it's the opposite it's i couldn't yeah. agree more it's the it's the opposite of what this process should be about but, but i mean because first of all it's not that complicated it, it's it's no. not a secret a quick google search if they knew where to look would yield them the answer they're looking for and mm-hmm. um, it, it's something that it's it's not like going to see a surgeon where that person has a specific skill set that that only they can provide you personal training is something that should be uh part of someone's life and you're there to help it's it's like it's like going to a therapist or it's like uh you know i'm not going to make direct comparisons i think that can get a little bit a little bit iffy but like person comes to you or or i and they need a little bit of guidance and they need to be coached some people get really heavily invested in that process and they'll never leave you and they just love it and they'll train with you forever and they Mm -hmm. love it and then others will get what they need from you and move on and then others will probably just get what for you for you and then and then just kind of drop off and that's that Mm -hmm. happens too like we can't impact everyone's life to, to that extent but you're there really just as someone who's got a, a, a level of interest and knowledge and something that can then help someone else develop their physique or develop their uh, their health or whatever it is they're looking to do at that time it should never be a a transaction of like well i have this thing and, and i'm only going to give it to you if you pay me it's like this mm. that's not how any of this works this is all disseminated all over the internet all over you could hundreds thousands of books other yeah. coaches you could go and work with other gyms you could join it's it's something that that should be shared with everyone and, and that's yeah. what i heard a great um I, I did a mentorship course last year with the pfca a guy called coach jens robinson he's uh he works with marshall gym in the uk and he was like, you should be giving away your best stuff for free. And when I heard that, I was like, that's a good, really interesting way to think about it. As in like, if you're confident enough in your ability as a coach, like give that, give that stuff out as much as you can and, and people will come to you and the, and the right people will come to you for, for, for more. As in this whole notion of uh, here's this one thing, come to me and talk to me about it and I'll tell you. Yeah it's, yeah it's just it's 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 marketing it's it's trying to create a deception and it's it's not the way anyone who genuinely believes in training and uh, genuinely believes in themselves as a fitness professional should behave in, in, yeah. in my opinion and plus when you think about it anything that's like the very few rare things that have really come along and kind of revolutionized aspects of of training or nutrition over the course of the last 40 years or so if it really works and is revolutionary, it becomes a widespread tool. It's used all over yes. the industry. It's not like someone managed to just keep it a secret um, yeah. between yeah. them and like the 20 clients they train or something, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so like if, if it works that well, then you wouldn't be able to bottle it up. But yeah, um, yeah I mean, like I'm working on a, an ebook with a, a training program in it at the moment. And the very first thing that I say in the introduction to it is that there's, pretty much not a single original thought or idea in this everything everything that i use has been borrowed from stuff that i learned from really good coaches that i did internships with or that i know or things that i read or or took from other programs that i did um i mean human strength and training for it has been around all the way back to the time of the Greeks or ancient Greeks. And um, even using things like barbells has been around since the very early 20th century. 
it's very hard to reinvent that wheel in any kind of dramatic way um you can refine things and individualize things for people but i'm i'm quite happy to admit that the majority of of what we offer to people as coaches is probably primarily accountability and uh and motivation and there's nothing wrong with that because that is literally the hardest thing about making fitness a part of your lifestyle anybody yeah. can pull up a pretty decent program from the internet for 100 free mm-hmm. but if it was that easy then everybody would be in pretty good shape um mm-hmm. but that, that's not the hard part the hard part is actually putting it into action yeah yeah um, absolutely actionable steps and like, like how to apply the information because it's, it's complete information overload again we need to go down and explain mm-hmm. that everyone knows what i mean by that and a coach can just kind of bring you the concise version of what you actually need to focus on. And then the accountability piece is, well, I'm watching you do this and I'm going to make sure that you do it. So whether that's checking in on a weekly basis uh, remotely or being with you physically in the gym, you're much more likely to do it. The amount of every single day I hear it is, you know, I need you here beside me or or I would probably wouldn't have pushed that extra up. If you, if you weren't looking at me, Jack or whatever, it's again, that, that, uh, the idea that you just need someone, Absolutely, uh, yeah. Sort of over your shoulder and, and, and a companion as well, someone who's there to actually party your party, the role of a coach is to be a bit of a cheerleader, to actually just be there present with the person in their journey and make them feel like they're not. Because a lot of people are doing this on their own or doing mm-hmm. it in a, an environment that isn't facilitating it. A lot of people are dealing with their partner who might be resentful of the fact that they go to the gym three times a week and leave them to look after the kids or or, or you know, it's an environment at home or, or in their life that just isn't conducive to what they're trying to do. So having yeah. a coach with them in the gym and reminding them that what they're doing is important and reminding you that what you're doing is has benefit to you as a person is hugely important. So you're 100% right. Like nothing of what we do as coaches can't be gotten somewhere else. Um, and that's the reality and it doesn't devalue it. In fact, I mean, it, it kind of almost, it, it almost makes me feel like it's more important to be a coach because we're able to kind of cut through all the all the bullshit so to speak and mm. and help people genuinely understand what it is they actually have to do and then they apply those things and they get they 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 pay us to help them do that and then they go on their way when the, when the time comes and it's a uh, it's it's a valuable it's such a valuable thing and I, I i do hope that it becomes more the norm uh in this country and across the world um although sometimes i i think it there's no chance because of the way the internet works but um that we will have a, a world where the majority of people are hearing the right things about fitness and understanding uh, really, really how simple and how, how easy it really is. Well, I think it's going to become a necessity because time. We're, we're not even close to the, the peak of the obesity epidemic, as far as I know. And um, it's already putting outrageous strains on what are usually already pretty poorly resourced and funded health systems. Um, so if countries don't want to be spending billions or, or maybe even more on, um, caring for very sick people who actually are, are probably going to be living longer because we have the medical technology to, to keep them alive, but just very sick, um, they're going to have to start investing in and, and subsidizing things like preventative health measures, like, like training and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, oh, without a doubt, it's it's big because, like you said, we're we're only at the at the sort of beginning of all of that. Uh, just the way society is going, where we will be, become more and more sedentary, more and more prone to being 
in front of a screen or in some kind of environment similar to that. And the culture is so much bent towards consumerism that I really think people are up against it in, in that regard. Oh, yeah. Again, as again, so much of what fitness does is prey upon that insecurity where it's like you're doing this bad behavior and you know it and you're just bold. So it's essentially like yeah. telling off a child, like, and then you need to do this thing because you're 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 fucking up in all these different ways where the rest of culture and society is driving us in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the physical movement and training of some description uh, is going to become something that, and it's, it's a huge luxury, like uh, generations before us, probably the turn of the 20th century is probably when exercise became really formalized in that sense, because lives became a little bit easier and a little bit more uh, cushy and we could afford to yeah. actually exert outside of the necessity <laughs> of farming or mm-hmm. physical exertion that was just required before that point the notion of of exercise we, we are the only creature on earth that i'm aware of anyway that deliberately puts ourselves through these things um just for our own gain yeah. every every other creature on earth has to do it just to survive mm-hmm. um and i suppose if you listen to someone like liver king he would have us believe we're still doing that but uh yeah. it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, uh. it's something that it, it's liver king <laughs> it's such a um a privilege that we get to do it and it's uh, that, that we have a life it's a life where we can be like right i'm going to go to the gym x amount of times a week and push myself uh, t- until until i feel this response and uh, and then i get to live a nice lovely cushy life and a better life because i'm healthier and stronger stronger for it and actually just on, on that topic um anybody listening and for yourself if you haven't watched it there's a fantastic documentary available for free on youtube called century of the self it's a bbc documentary it's probably about 20 years old at this point um but it's a really brilliant uh historical insight into how at the at the turn of the 20th century um society very slowly uh started moving into more of a, a consumerism type um model or, or whatever you would call it and um mm-hmm uh yeah very very interesting stuff um yeah about kind of the whole psychology behind this and the political motivations behind this and uh i definitely recommend anybody yeah i would definitely i definitely check that out and, and it's funny you should say that because fitness going back to the very beginning of the conversation has been corrupted by that as in the notion of, of getting something immediately buying buying something like losing 20 kilos cannot be bought it can mm. it cannot just happen it has to be done over a process and over a period of time yeah, so in a society yeah. where everything can be consumed so easily uh fitness is something that just takes a little bit longer and that's where that disconnect definitely yeah. occurs uh, i was on uh, a girl called um chrissy hawkins i think had me on her podcast um a while ago and um she was asking me about that and i, I was kind of saying that one of the issues i think is that um selling fitness as a product and um trying to give people uh, good useful information they're kind of at odds with each other because mm-hmm. if you t- if you take a magazine like say men's health you know there's a new issue I'm, I'm guessing every every week or every few weeks anyway and you know there's got to have been thousands of them at this point and some of them are totally contradictory like you know mm-hmm never do compound exercises, only do compound exercises, high fat this week, low fat the next. And um, you almost have to just keep coming up with novel bullshit uh, in order to keep selling products to people. Whereas if you were actually take all the stuff that we know and that is likely to help people, it would just be a bunch of principles put into a book um, 
that you could just sell one time, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, absolutely. That is a, a big, big problem with giving fitness information to people. But yeah. Um, yeah. I suppose but before we wrap up, one of the last things that I wanted to ask you about um two two things really i think you might have already touched on the first question but i'll just ask you anyway uh the the first one would be the biggest mistakes that you see people make when you start um you start working with them so that i think that's probably the one i've already touched on is it is the doing it wanting everything wanting to do everything all at once um that's the biggest mistake for sure uh having big goals and stuff like that that's fine i actually don't mind that if someone says i want to uh, lose this uh, large amount of weight or i want to um you know achieve this this big feat of strength that, that's great to have that end goal to have something that's mm. a greater purpose for yourself is terrific i don't mind that at all but that's 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 not a mistake in itself but wanting to take on everything that's required to achieve that all at once because it just creates that burnout of that overwhelm that we've referred to um we all have lives outside of the gym uh, for those of us that are interested in sports or strength training, we'd all love to get up in the morning, eat the perfect breakfast, sleep nine hours a night, train once or twice a day and just dedicate ourselves to that. We would all love to do that. Mm-hmm. But the reality is this this fitness piece has to fit in somewhere. It ha- we have to have, first of all, have time to make it to the gym or train. We have to be able to incorporate it into our lifestyle to allow for the other people in our life that we interact with or our jobs, travel, uh, other stressors, college, whatever it is you're doing has to it has to work so if you take on all the things that you need to do so you join a gym you hire a personal trainer you start training three times a week you start counting your macros you start changing your diet completely changing your habits completely trying to go to bed earlier trying to get up earlier like all of these things are going to create a big disruption in your life and be very hard to sustain yeah so the biggest mistake people make is doing that the biggest thing they could do to, to prevent that is what we were saying of picking and, and this is where finding a coach and finding a personal trainer who is value for money is going to help because they're going to help you pick out the things that are going to help and, and help you through that process. But if you're doing it on your own, look at what's this, the lowest hanging fruit for you. Like what could you do tomorrow or tonight or even today to, to make a, a small difference in, in, your, in, your, in your routine, in your goals, in your yeah. whatever it is you're trying to do? picking those small pieces and just just stacking them slowly over time until you're you've developed enough mental uh, uh mental kind of space enough uh literal time in your life to to do all of these things and that's when you that's when you see successes that's when we slow everything down and actually be patient with the process and picking out the small things and eventually they they all develop into those those massive changes that you see, like you're losing seven kg in, in three months. Like it, it didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen because you did one thing. It happened because you did lots of little small things and they all compounded into one big thing. So that would be the number one biggest thing is just taking on way too much. Yeah. And um, yeah. And it goes back to that, that idea of minimum effective dose that carries exactly. out into lots of areas. Brilliant. And uh, then the last question I had for you that I'd like to ask guests is, if you could have a conversation with your younger self starting off in all of this, and you can do this for both training and coaching, if you want, what would be the, the key piece of advice that you would give to yourself? For training, it would be um, train three times a week, full body, big exercises, and just progressively overload them. Like it's such a boring answer. It sounds like I've considering our conversation earlier that I've just, that that's just sort of, benefiting my own point of view now but it's genuinely true i would cut through so much of the months and years probably that i spent doing just crap exercises 
yeah. needless needless workouts that weren't getting me anywhere that just were running me around in circles. I'd say, right, yeah. just train three times a week, maybe four if you're a bit longer and a bit more time. Eat lots of good food uh, and progressively overload the exercises, and you're going to get going to get where you need to go way way faster. And if you get bored, just report back to me, future self, and I'll remind you of why you're doing it. <laughs> so that would be for training. That would be and add in some curls work. maybe at the end. Add in some curls. Yeah, pro- probably do bicep curls four times a week yeah. <laughs> instead of once a week, which I was told at the time you could only do arms once a week. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'd probably do bicep curls four times a week, maybe even every single day. Yeah. And then <laughs> I would just stick with them and never change. And then as far as coaching goes, I would get, I would start coaching sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to have, and I still do have massive limiting beliefs about myself. Uh, I thought uh, to be a good personal trainer, to be a good coach, you had to be the most educated person in the room or you had to be, um, you, just, you had to be in amazing shape or something. Whereas actually getting involved and starting to work, even if it's the most basic thing, like messaging people on Instagram and just giving them some advice based off your own experience or going in and getting qualified and starting to work and starting to learn what it is to interact with people and interact with clients. Like that's what's going to get you the furthest. And again, I'm, I have qualifications. I'm an educated person, but I've, 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 I've not got a master's degree. Like I, I know you do. And I, I've not, pursued that line but for a long time i had that feeling that maybe i'm just not adequate like maybe i just don't have what it takes like maybe i do need to do those things before i can do any of any of this when in reality what i needed to do was kind of get out of my own way and start actually interacting with people interacting with people yeah. on the gym floor uh, taking that step so when that eventually did happen for me which is around kind of early 2017 uh, or like late 2016 i uh, had a complete change of mindset I was like i can actually bring value i actually have something to offer in this realm and now six six and a half years later i have a lot more to offer still so much to learn still so many mm-hmm. things to go through so so many mistakes i'm still making but i could have gotten onto that a little bit sooner i think and, and kind of and kind of believed in myself as a as a as a potential fitness professional earlier yeah. on in my life absolutely and you know i think that um what matters far more than somebody's education um or, or anything else really is actually just caring really and, and the passion that they have for for the job because if you're passionate about it and you really sincerely want to help people more so than you know just being able to make money or being able to create some kind of an online persona for yourself as like some shredded personal trainer or something like that if you're really in it to help people and to get people the best results that you can then you're going to go away and do all of the learning by yourself anyway. And you're going to dedicate yourself to trying to improve your coaching skills and Mm -hmm. reflect on, you know, I I trained this person. How could I have done a better job? You know, and that's what good coaches do. Because if you look at some of the, the best coaches in the industry, they don't all have degrees, but they all coach people. They all train themselves and they all really love um training and what it can bring to people so you know i I know people who got a's and some of the the degrees that i did who wouldn't know or or care to learn how to teach somebody how to do a squat or how to progress them from being able to barely do a bodyweight squat to being able to do like you were saying 80 kilos with the bar on their back Mm -hmm. so there is a difference between being academic or or really kind of being passionate about the trade which is coaching and teaching yeah 100% 100% couldn't agree more. I think it was actually yourself that posted the other day. And I think I reacted to it on your story was uh, like the advice to any young coaches looking to get involved. And the sort of, again, I couldn't remember the order exactly, but it was uh, 
get coached by someone uh, or, or, or lift yourself, like actually train time under the bar uh, and then, and then coach others. And then yeah. I think the number four or five on the list was, you know, start learning on your own, like start, start seeking out the information that you're trying to disseminate to people and, and, and understanding it on your own level. Absolutely, and that's been a big yeah. thing for me, like continued professional development has been a massive thing for me, like doing all this, like Mike Robertson's um, courses and Joel Jameson and people like that, and just pursuing that because I'm interested. And then I'm able to mm-hmm. bring that to the table when I'm discussing it with the client or the um, nutrition period with Mike, by Mike Isretel. And um, yeah, it's brilliant. Guys, stuff. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's, it's amazing. And it's, it's available it's it's out there and if you're interested enough to go and read it and actually dig into it then you then you just have that it's, it's in your and, and then you understand it because then you live it because you're mm. you're training and then when you're applying it to coaching clients it's like a perfect triumvirate of of of, of factors that will make you a pretty effective coach and um, yeah. will make you a pretty valuable person to someone who has none of that or just doesn't have the headspace for it which is a client who has a stressful job and three kids and a life to run and they don't they don't have time to do that so you mm-hmm. can you can you can concisely deliver that information and over time you get just get better and better at it um and so having those conversations then on the floor with clients be it in person or on video calls whatever it is way you choose to coach is uh is massively valuable and the best thing number one is to just start doing it and start uh, start getting in the mix so that would be that would be the thing i would probably I, I don't use the word regret i don't regret not doing it but i would love to have the opportunity to start start sooner oh yeah well i mean I, i'm the same if i could go back yeah. i would have not gone into trinity college to do a philosophy and german degree and probably <laughs> gone and got a, a cheap personal training service and sort of coaching yeah. people but yeah hindsight is 2020 and it uh, is it is you know sometimes making those decisions is kind of key to ending ending up where you are i think so and you you end up you end up where you where you where you belong in a lot of these situations and ended up having a conversation with you today which feels pretty good and uh yeah just thank you so much for having me on because like like i said my purpose i see as a coach is trying to disseminate this information to whoever to the to to the to the the, like whoever can listen to this or whoever i come in contact with i want them to believe in strength training believe in going to the gym and and what that can actually bring to their life uh and uh this is obviously a great conversation but it's also hopefully people who listen will will pick up something from it Oh, absolutely. Your yeah. uh, pleasure talking to you and you're always welcome back on and we'll have to get a, a highly absolutely. simple uh, bang for book training session in together sometime. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll just do squats, chin-ups, overhead presses and leave. <laughs> yeah. And uh, well, it's what, what my training sessions look like these days. Um, yeah. <laughs> for, for people who would be interested in following you and maybe potentially working with you as well, where can they go? Yeah, so I'm uh, Instagram. I'm lifting jacks, which is lifting underscore jack underscore. Pretty sure that's the, the how I have it written out. I'm on Instagram. All that's pretty much the only social media that I use. I I coach in Nick Fit Studios. Um, I am available via Instagram, really, for any information that you might want or like open open to questions. I'm not actually really taking on any more online clients as it is at the moment. But uh, if you ever needed to reach out to me on anything, Instagram would be the best place to do it. And then if you want to train me in person. You can uh, you can come to Nikafit Studios and I will be there. Okay, and Nikafit Studios is based in. So there's uh, it, it, there's one in Kilcool and one in Greystones. So Sorry. if you're if you're in the if you're in the Nikafit vicinity, uh, I'm 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 definitely not far away. Okay, brilliant. <laughs> all right, well, thanks so much for that, Jack. And um, yeah. yeah, I'll talk to you again soon. All right, man. Yeah, thanks so much, Kieran. Cheers, dude. Till next time, man. right?